Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. My guest today is Kate B, and she is on this incredible mission to help women stop drinking alcohol. She has started a program called The Sober School. And Kate, thank you so much for being willing to share your story and your message today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about this. So Kate, can you give us a little background on your relationship, your personal relationship with alcohol and how that became a problem in your life? Yeah, sure. Well, me and alcohol, we got on fine. (laughs) We were best friends straight away. (laughs) Um, I felt that drinking helped me, um, it helped release me from the shy, awkward teenager that I just seemed to be. And it helped me be a more confident version of myself that was better at parties, better at talking to guys. You know, it just helped me be um you know that kind of the version of yourself that you you aspire to be especially as a teenager yes I think that's something that is so relatable to people especially people that deal with social anxiety you take that first drink and you're like wow it makes it so much easier for me to be in social situations and that is pretty addicting yeah totally and then what you know what happened for me is that sort of sets a bit of a blueprint then that you think oh okay i've stumbled across this magic formula this is how i have to do all the things so i then you know i went to university and there's a very heavy drinking culture around uni especially here in the uk and then i went and got a job as a journalist which again is like you work hard, you party hard, um, drinking quite heavily is, is normal. Yeah, I'm in the radio business, so it's the same type of culture. You know, it just kind of seems to go hand yeah. in hand. Hand in hand. Um, and and the thing is, alcohol was working for me up until a point, up until it wasn't. And it was just causing way too many problems. Um And I was increasingly drinking at home alone more than I was drinking when I was going out. You know, I had this story that I couldn't stop drinking because what about my social life? And what about, you know, what would my friends say and this and that and the other? But actually, most of my drinking happened by myself while I was watching TV and I, you know, drink until I passed out, which was not the way life should be. When did you really have that kind of awakening where you were like, this is not normal and I've got a problem? Yeah, I um, I mean, I used to work really long shifts and we'd sometimes do kind of 12 hour stints. And I remember one day finishing at nine o'clock at night, knowing that I needed to be in at nine o'clock the next day for another 12 hour shift. But I still went home, drank a bottle and a half of wine, Mm. was up until the early hours. And I was just thinking, like, hey, why why are you doing this? You have you have like barely enough time to get home, eat, 
sleep and get dressed again and yet you're you're up half the night just just drinking to for, for no real good reason like what you need right now is rest and sleep and and I woke up the next day feeling awful and knowing that I smelt of alcohol and then I um I got a a friend of mine drove me to work um as we often car shared and when we got out the lift, um, or the elevator, as you call it, at work, she said to me, gosh, didn't it smell of alcohol in there? And I was thinking, yeah, I bet it did. It's <laughs> me. <laughs> so did you have uh, people around you, did they recognize you had a problem or was this a pretty hidden thing in your life? Yeah, this was a very hidden thing. I, I was great at keeping it a secret. Um, there was just a couple of occasions like that where, as you can here I hope from the way I described it that I genuinely don't think my friend thought it was me that smelt of alcohol because she just didn't make that connection mm-hmm. um and yeah I'd, I'd been on I'd had a couple of instances where I had drunk too much in front of people and they'd you know joked about it the next day but it was all things that were fairly easy to write off and dismiss because people were only seeing the very visible stuff, the the drinking in public, which wasn't that crazy compared to some other people I knew. They couldn't see all the stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think functional alcoholism is one of the most dangerous forms because you fool yourself into thinking, I have a job, I have my life together. So I'm not that obvious alcoholic that has lost their home or lost relationships or or, you know, probably even suffered any real major loss in your life. So it's hard to, I would imagine, be motivated to stop when you haven't had some of those obvious losses. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of my biggest problems was that back then, I my understanding was there were just two types of drinkers. There were normal drinkers and raging alcoholics. And when I say alcoholics, I mean rock bottom, drinking out of a paper bag, drinking in the morning, you know, that kind of shady character. And I was so far from that. I was a million miles from that. And so it left me feeling like I was stuck in this gray zone. I knew something was wrong with me, but it didn't seem as if I was bad enough to go to rehab. I mean, in fact, I I definitely wasn't bad enough to go there. And I didn't really align with um, Alcoholics Anonymous. So I was just kind of in this gray zone of knowing that something was wrong, but really not knowing what to do about it. Right. You know, one thing that I found very interesting when I first went to the SoberSchool.com was, was, do I have to stop drinking completely? And I think that is something that it causes a lot of anxiety for, I know even me, like I would not say that I have a problem with alcohol, but if someone said you can never drink ever again, I would think, oh, I I can never have fun at a party again, or I can never ease that social anxiety. And so I think that is a legit fear for a lot of people. And do you seem to feel that it's possible to have that occasional drink or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I... So what I say to most people is if you're worried about your drinking, then the first step is to try and cut down, have, you know, more days off, um, reduce the amount you're drinking. 
However, most people, when they come across my website, they've already tried all that stuff many, many, many times. Um, so the audience I'm speaking to over there kind of know that this is a drug that they, you know, aren't able to control for whatever reason. And I make a really big point of trying to say to people that it's okay not to be able to control alcohol. It is a mind-altering drug. It affects different people differently. And, you know, it's not a personal failing or a weakness. You're not greedy or, you know, unmotivated if you can't, like, make this um, mind-bending substance fit into your life. So, um, so if you've already tried cutting down and it's not working for you, then I think a great next step is to take a break from drinking because that gets you away from the overwhelm of thinking, oh my goodness, my only choice now is to quit forever. And that feels really intimidating and overwhelming and I don't want to do it. And, you know, you go spinning off in that direction. Exactly. So, so would you say like, set a goal to not drink for 30 days or what does that look like? Yeah, I think a minimum of a month, but ideally a good break should be three months. Um, they say it takes 66 days to change a habit. And personally, I think three days, like 90 days to 100, uh, sorry, three, so yeah, three months, I meant 90 days to 100 days is a really good amount of time because the point of taking an extended break like that is that if you commit to doing that and you go all in and you're going to make it happen no matter what, then over that time, you're going to see some really significant changes and you probably will come up against a few challenges and you'll have to find a way through them and you will show yourself that you are actually way more capable than you think. Yeah, I, you know, it seems very much like going on a diet and Whenever you tell yourself, I can't have that one thing, that seems to be the one item that you crave. But what were some ways that you were able to control that craving as you were trying to cut back or, or quit drinking? What did you replace yeah. it with? Um, so for me, a big part of my journey was trying to educate myself about alcohol and undo a lot of the social conditioning that we have around this drug like alcohol is the only drug on the planet that you have to justify not taking like yeah. all other dr all other drugs we're told you like they're they're bad say no to them but alcohol it's beautifully packaged it's advertised on tv so it's no wonder so many of us come to rely on it too much it's almost seems that it's more socially acceptable to drink than not to drink. It It's just what everyone does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So a big part of my sobriety and now what I help other people do is really um, examining exactly all the things, all the benefits you think you get from drinking and then going through them one by one and looking for cold, hard evidence to prove that that is what happens or not, you know, what happens. And what we nearly always find is that when you start really scrutinizing your life experiences, you know, alcohol isn't the magic joy juice 
that it's marketed as. Actually, nearly everyone can think of a time when they've been to a party and they've drunk loads, but they still haven't had a good time. Yeah, I I do. And I've even found that in the moment when I'm drinking, maybe I'm having a good time. But after I've come down off that alcohol, I tend to feel more depressed than I would under normal circumstances. Yeah, alcohol is it is a depressant and it's a big trigger for anxiety. And so if you're drinking, you know, a lot of people drink because they feel stressed. Actually, all alcohol really does in that scenario is it helps it helps distract you from the problem momentarily. But then the next day, you are going to feel so much more stressed because you're a bit depressed, you're anxious, you're feeling terrible. And perhaps you've done something whilst you've been drinking that's made the original problem worse. Mm-hmm. Um So all of that is really important information to start taking on board. But it's hard to do that if you are not really thinking about that stuff and you're just tuned into like the silly memes on Facebook where we joke about, you know, the most expensive part of having kids is all the wine you've got to drink and all that stuff. Right, right. So sometimes even when you're educated, I mean, we're educated about a lot of things that are not good for us. It's like, okay, I have this knowledge. Um, For me, it's Diet Coke. And I know that Diet Coke is not good for me. I still continue to drink it every morning. And then I'll read something and it's like, okay, yeah, I know I should stop. Maybe I stop for a few days and then I go back to it. I feel like for, for me with that addiction, I have to replace it with something if it's going to if I'm going to be successful at it. Would you agree that that usually that's the case? Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways to look at that. Um, first, perhaps getting really clear on what it is you're getting from the Diet Coke that you love so much. Like, is it a taste thing or is it a bit of a caffeine hit or is it just a habit of I need a cold drink, you know, mm-hmm. at some point during the day? Because um, perhaps some of those things are replaceable, Um in a healthier version uh so yeah I don't know what it is that draws you to the diet coke uh but you didn't feel like once you quit alcohol you had to replace it with something else no what I well um what I felt that I had to do was find some new healthier coping mechanisms because I was using alcohol as a as a tool It was what I turned to when I needed um, to unwind at the end of the day or when I wanted to block out some unhappy feelings. And I don't think we are taught how to manage our emotions very well. So we just turn to the things that most of the people seem to be using. And what I had to learn in sobriety was, um, you know, what other things I could do to make myself feel better But also, as a step beyond that, I've also had to do a lot of work on dealing with those root causes that drove me to drink in the first place. And that's a much longer process. That's like therapy and coaching. But, you know, so there's a kind of two-pronged approach there of of tackling the root cause, but also finding new ways of filling that gap. Sure. Sure. I think one of the big reasons that a lot of people, and we've we've hit on this just a little bit, but one of the big reasons people drink is because they think I'm not going to be any fun at the Christmas party if I don't drink. Yeah. And here we are on the the brink of the holidays where it's like 
eat, eat, drink and be merry. What do you say to someone that's like, you know what? I need to get this alcohol problem under control. And I'm afraid that I'm just not going to be fun anymore when I go out with my friends. Yeah, no, I can totally understand that. Um, That was a massive fear that I had as well. So I think the first thing I would say is that um, you you have to kind of get clear on um, what you're saying to yourself in your head. Because when you say, I'm not going to be able to have fun without alcohol, what you're kind of saying is that I'm a bit of a boring person. I don't know how to relax. I don't know how to socialize without the help of this drug. But actually, you totally do. When we're kids, we go to parties. We don't um, take drugs in any form. Uh, We certainly don't drink. And when you look at kids at parties, they are all in. They are having such a good time. And we all still have that ability within us. And here's some more recent evidence. When you are at your job on a day-to-day basis, you are socializing and telling jokes and, you know, um, laughing with your co-workers and you're going to the gym and striking a conversation there. You are actually having fun throughout the day without drinking, but you're not even realizing it because it is not a party or an important event. So that would... Um, So I I think the first thing is to acknowledge that actually you can have fun without alcohol. You're capable of so much more than you think, um, but perhaps you are just um, not acknowledging that. Yeah, I think that you can have those kind of aha moments. And I've had them myself where I've decided to not drink in a situation where I typically would. And it's been shocking to me how much fun I actually did have. And I didn't expect that because I just discounted it like it will not be fun if I don't drink. And it's, it's even amazing. I've found in my life, I would get in this habit where it was like, okay, I drink on the weekends. And that was my source of entertainment. But when you kind of get out of that box and out of that rut, you explore the world and do things that you would have never done if you just were stuck in that routine of alcohol being my source of entertainment. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think it's interesting that when we're kids, we spend most of our time creating fun. Like we play games, um, you know, we make the fun happen. But as adults, um, when we are relying on alcohol for fun, what we're really doing is consuming fun in a very passive way. We're putting all this responsibility on alcohol, like you've got to create the fun for me. Whereas actually we are in charge of that. And... I just wanted to share an experience that cropped up for me the other day. Um, I was at a party myself and I was with a friend who wasn't drinking because she was driving. And she, I could just tell she wasn't having a good time. She didn't seem engaged. She didn't seem her normal self. And so I said to her, look, you know, I'm driving as well. I can take you home. Why don't you have a few drinks? And she accepted my offer and immediately before she'd even got her drink, she seemed to be in a totally different space. She was like much brighter. She seemed really geared up for having a good time because she knew she was going to drink. Mm-hmm. And we we didn't stay for that much longer. And I know she's not a massive drinker, so she didn't have that much to drink in the end. But for her, the, the thought that she could drink and have fun is what helped her have fun. 
So it just shows how much it's all up in our heads. Because I know she really didn't drink very much at all. But because she thought she wasn't going to have fun, she was making the situation like that. You know, she was not having fun because that's what she expected to happen. Well, and I think it's that feeling of belonging when you're the only person that's not drinking in a crowd. You just feel yeah. like an outcast. It's easy to to feel that way, especially if you're the type of person that deals with social anxiety. You just think, oh, I just I want to do what everyone else is doing. So those are the toughest circumstances. Would you say for someone that is trying to stop that they should just avoid those situations or what would you tell someone to do? Um, I, it kind of splits one of two ways. Like some people just want to avoid those situations until they are feeling a bit more comfortable and they put a bit of space between them and their last drink. Um, and I think that's totally fine. Other people are like, no, I'm going to continue living my normal life. And I just need some strategies for when I go out. And if you are going out and trying not to drink, I would suggest perhaps ordering a drink that doesn't scream alcohol free. If you get, you know, a, a tonic water or there are some really good alcohol free cocktails or alcohol free beers all of those things perhaps won't draw attention. So maybe people won't even notice. That's a great point because no one likes, you know, the crowd saying, oh, come on, just have a drink. And if you have something in your hand, then you can just kind of, you know, go incognito and, and just feel like you fit in a little more. Yeah. And keep a drink in your hand at all times. The best way to turn down offers of alcohol is to already have a drink. Um, the other things you can do are offering to drive. Um, you know, being the designated driver uh, really helps. Or if people do ask and you don't want to really go into why you're doing this, there are loads of like good little reasons from, you know, I'm just taking a break as a challenge or I'm a, a, a one that a lot of people use is, you know, I'm, I'm taking a break because it's, been like disrupting my sleep or giving me headaches. Um, it's harder for people to nag you to drink if you're saying that actually like alcohol's just not been making me feel good recently. So I'm, I'm taking some time off from it. Yeah, I think those are great tips. What would you say to someone that has a friend that has a legitimate drinking problem? They're an alcoholic and they're trying to quit. Um, I would ask that individual what would support them best because I remember when I first quit drinking, I was very anxious that other people didn't change their behavior. I didn't want them to feel as if they couldn't drink because that would actually make me feel more awkward. So she, that, you know, that person may be in that position or they may be um, on the other side and they might be really grateful to have friends rally around them and say yeah we're all going to go out and we're going to join you and order some alcohol free drinks and we're kind of you know we're here for you in that way which sometimes you just kind of have to make that decision as a as a friend it's probably only going to be a short-term thing as they are you know getting some momentum in their in their sobriety so I would I would ask that individual what would support them best what are your thoughts on codependency? That's 
a term that I've just recently been introduced yeah. to. Oh, gosh. Um, I just uh, wrote a blog about this the other day. And, um, man, it was really – I got some great comments uh, on this and it, I felt quite upset by it, actually. Um, so some of the worst things people have told me that they've had as reactions are friends going – like, oh, well, why can't you just stop at one? Or have you tried drinking a bit less? And people often say that without thinking. But of course, that individual has already tried that. So they probably don't need to be asked that or made to feel like a, a failure. Um, something a lot of other people will say is, um, well, you know, you, you drink the same as me. Perhaps you haven't got anything to worry about. Or are you still going to be fun? Um, it's really funny how people react. And I think it goes back to what we mentioned earlier, that alcohol is used so widely. It's so normalized that sometimes when someone like sticks their head up and says, hey, this isn't working for me, I need to change my behavior, everyone else can feel a bit weird about it. And and that prompts some slightly strange reactions from people Um so I just encourage anyone to be really supportive of someone they know who is changing their behavior. I mean, ultimately, I believe that quitting drinking shouldn't be any different from quitting smoking or going vegan or, you know, giving up anything else. It's just an, an individual's decision. And if you're friends with that person and you, you know, love and support them and want them to do well, then... Um, I think just being really open to what they're saying and supportive of them is is so valuable. What are your thoughts on shame and alcohol? In particular, someone that was in your situation where you were kind of a closet drinker, I would assume there was a lot of shame and embarrassment that went along with that. Yeah, I don't know if you've read any of uh, Brene Brown's books. I have. Yeah. So um, and Brene Brown herself has been sober for um, many, many years. But she writes fantastically about shame and how there's such a strong link between women, women drinkers and shame in particular. We drink because we feel shame and then we feel shame because we drink. Um and, and yeah, and, you know, when I look back on my drinking, I think I felt ashamed that I, you know, wasn't living the perfect life. I was single. I was moving around a lot. I didn't feel as if I really fit in. Um, there were a lot of things that I felt were wrong with me. And I was feeling a lot of shame about that. And rather than getting help with those issues or thinking about how I could change them. I just did the thing that came easiest, which was to drink and ignore them. So, yeah, it's a really toxic cycle with shame, actually, and alcohol. Yeah. You brought up, you know, women, and that is really your core mission is helping women to stop drinking alcohol. Why is that your passion in particular? Well, it fits in perfectly with what we've just been talking about. I started off just tackling women because I felt that it is different for women. When a man drinks too much, 
he can kind of laugh it off. It's a bit of a joke. It's a bit like when a guy sleeps with lots of partners, he's he's cool. That makes him, I don't know, a man. That gets him respect in some quarters. Whereas generally, a woman will be shamed for sleeping with too many people and she will be shamed for drinking too much and being that girl who cannot control things. Yeah, there is absolutely a double standard in our society with that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so it was just a gut instinct, really, that I needed to keep this a women-only thing. And then what I've done over the years is poll um, some of my clients and survey them and say, like, what if I open this up to men? Because I do get guys approaching me for help. And every time I run this survey their results come back like 99%. Keep it women only, please. We need this sort of safe space. And I, yeah, I, I've been surprised by how strongly people feel about um, having a women only space to talk about this stuff in. Talk a little bit about what you do specifically with the Sober School program. What does that entail? Uh, so it's a, a an online course that's six weeks long, and um, I run it a couple of times a year, uh, well, four times a year, and I get a, a big kind of group together of women from all over the world, uh, from the US to Australia and the UK where I am, and everyone starts it on the same day, and they'll get a lesson every single day. So a piece of kind of homework to do, maybe a video to watch or an exercise to complete. And it guides them through that first six weeks of sobriety. And because they're doing it at the same time as a big group of people, it means they are on this journey with a community and um, seeing their story reflected in other people, which is very powerful because most of the women I work with have been really isolated and hiding away and perhaps only their partner knows um, that they are quietly drinking so much at home. Yeah, I think that's such a huge deal in our community that we need to start connecting instead of comparing. We live in this world, especially with social media, where it's constant comparison. And as much as we're connected, we feel more isolated than we ever have before in a weird way. So when you can connect with someone and you don't feel so alone anymore, that is hugely powerful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things I get most often is feedback is people saying, I cannot believe there are other people who feel exactly the same way that I did, because I was convinced that I was the only one who was struggling in this way. And I think um, addiction really thrives in isolation. But when you see other people experiencing what you have, and normalizing it and sharing quite vulnerably what they've been through, it can be really life-changing to know that you're not alone. We all need more community. And I think you are so right about, like, we're more connected than ever, yet we're also really disconnected at the same time. It's a funny age to be living in. Definitely. So um, if someone is interested in your program, give us some details on, on how they can find you and sign up. What are the steps that they need to take today? to take part in the sober school 
Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So the best place to find me is at thesoberschool.com. And if you come over to my website, I've got a couple of free guides that people can download right now to help them um, you know, not drink tonight. And I've got some audios to listen to, to just kind of get them started. And I also write a blog every week, which I will send to people if they download one of my free guides. So that that will give them some plenty of stuff to think about and some things to work on on their own. And then if um, anyone is interested in taking that next step and joining my class, then the next one is going to be in January. So they've got some time to kind of get ready for that and get prepared for starting the new year off on a on a great start. I love what you are doing, Kate, and I love that you've created this wonderful community. And, you know, no one ever thinks when they start drinking, no one ever plans to have alcohol become a problem in their life, but it can happen right under your nose. And it happens to so many people. I know so many people that struggle silently. And I just really applaud you for sharing your story and and doing this for women and helping us to connect and, and just become healthier, better versions of ourselves. Uh, no problem. Thank you so much for letting me talk about it and share because I am so passionate about shining a light on this subject and helping people realize that they are not alone. There are so many people going through this. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you like what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. 